Hit it. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. You're listening to Pod Me If You Can. This is Pod Me If You Can. Movie reviews by David and Lloyd. An Australian podcast on your favorite movies. Go to www.podmeifyoucan.com. Welcome to Pod Me If You Can. I'm David Farrell. And I'm Lloyd Hughes. And this marks 150 episodes of Pod Me If You Can, and we're going to mark it in style with the movie Room, starring Brie Larson and Jacob Tremblay. Pretty much, guys, we've seen the film. Just a heads up, as always on Pod Me If You Can, this will be full of spoilers. So, uh, Lloyd, we watched Room, and uh, we're talking about it about 12 hours away from the Oscars. So, uh, do you think that Brie Larson will be winning the Academy Award. Yeah, I just tweeted I've got her for for winning the Academy Award and I think Room will also win the Academy Award for Best Film, but uh, I'm terrible with Oscar picks and anything, anything, any award ceremony. I'm just terrible. I'm completely with you that she's going to win Best Actress. Personally, I I feel like Jennifer Lawrence, uh, you know, has kind of had her moment in the sun and she has to kind of regroup and do something different. Uh, Charlotte Rampling is up for 45 years. She's um, made some comments that apparently have put people off. <laughs> like, what'd she say? Uh, ooh, it's um, some stuff about the Academy and I think I think about uh, white-black controversy. Shorsha Ronan, I think I'm pronouncing that right, for Brooklyn, apparently is a bit of a dark horse to win. And Kate Blanchett seems to have been discounted for Carol, but I haven't seen it. Brie Larson has pretty much won every award in the lead up to the oscars so it seems kind of a lock and you know very worthy now that having seen the film i can completely kind of agree the uh best picture race however just if we can touch on oscars for a second they reckon it's a three horse race lloyd and by the time people listen to this podcast of course the oscars have happened so they think um you know people are predicting it's between the revenant Spotlight and The Big Short. We did do an episode on Revenant, and uh, I think artistically it's very good, and that we'll see uh, Best Director again be picked up. But um, I picked uh, sure. George Miller for Best Director. <laughs> you think George? Miller? Yeah, I think cool. George Miller. No, no, it's very fair choice. We've done Mad Max Fury Road as well. I can completely see that of The Big Short and of Spotlight. I feel like for some reason it'll be Spotlight. But people seem to favour the big short, so time will tell. And for us, 12 hours uh, as we record this on the eve of the Oscars. But back to Room. Lloyd, had you heard of this as a book? Uh, I think we talked a little bit about this on our, our podcast on Frank, and I think you brought it up. I could be all wrong, and uh, but I or it, or it came up when I was researching about Frank in for that podcast, and so I have huge respect for the director Lenny Abramson I think he's an insane talent um and you know so I was excited to see the room I'm really proud to say I didn't see any of the previews for the film I just heard um my my favorite critics going on and on about how good this movie was and I saw I think a fragment of the poster as I was going in and so it was a complete um everything about the movie was a complete surprise to me uh, i heard the trailer really gave away a lot yeah um of the movie <laughs> so uh, how about you well i knew the book my wife read the book i had asked her about it at the time but it was several years ago and i remember her saying it's an okay book like she talked it down a little bit i suppose 
she just wasn't blown away by it. And then when I told her they were making it into a film, she thought, oh, I'd probably make a pretty good film. I had asked her about certain plot points way back when, but I'd forgotten completely. Uh, I had unfortunately seen the trailer, so my experience is very jaded from the trailer. However, I really, really enjoyed Room uh, for what it was. And um, if I can quickly, just on the trailer, the first hour of the film, Room, builds this wonderful suspense in which they are trapped and we don't kind of get their escape plan and an escape uh, until about the one hour mark of a two hour film. And the trailer begins with the escape one hour into the film and then shows basically the it's kind of like the gone girl uh, second half with all the like cameras in her face and like you don't know you weren't there and takes a very strange advertise because look if i was advertising this film and you don't want to ruin it for people you say based on the novel tense thriller you put up some quotes you say you know an important film whatever the the quotes are and you show them in that room and him saying you know why would we want to get out of here and her saying we have to go and like trying to talk about the escape and like uh focusing on the first uh, the first hour you know let the let the five star reviews tell people that it's good you know um put up those five star reviews but then don't show us from the one hour mark in the trailer my gosh dave the experience i was like is this uh, a science experiment are they the only people left in the world what the hell's going on here (laughs) i'm very pleased you've had that experience watching room because uh, you know like he says between them there's outer space and then heaven and you're completely unaware of the world around but then it reminds me of a book um and i can't remember what it is it's like a kid's book I read in primary school where they think they're on a spaceship and they think it's taking them through space and so they never try and escape and then they see a fly and they realize that they're actually um, still on Earth and that it's all been simulated and plan their escape. Look, it reminds me of lots of things, really. But like I said, I'm pleased you've had that experience, Lloyd, because you're coming into this not knowing what the heck is going on. (laughs) That's the best way to see movies, in my opinion. But I do understand marketing. You have to put Sonic out there, Sonic together, strategize it really well to try to get people into your um, cinema, especially Room, um, which is a very good movie. And, you know, how is it going to compete in this world of superhero movies? You know, this has, uh, has a very limited release and it's so unfortunate because I think it's a movie a lot of, a lot more people should see. It should have a much wider release and it shouldn't have to rely on uh, marketing that gives away huge portions of the drama. Yeah, well, you're, you're right, absolutely. I think uh, Anomalisa, which we did last week, had an even worse, like, uh, promotional campaign. I'm pretty sure, you know, they put Brie Larson and Jacob Tremblay on talk shows and had some publicity but I mean Anomalisa forget about it you know no advertising at all um just quickly I'll say we did cover Frank the director's previous film on the podcast Lenny Abramson and this is a huge move forward in his career isn't it oh absolutely I think this is a flawless directorial piece of work I think he's so mature at handling a lot of the strong themes here. Like, it, a lot of the themes given to any other director, I think they would have just fallen to pieces. And every theme that was thrown at him or in the book or what the scriptwriter wrote, he handled with complete 
mastery and his relationship with the actors I, I just think are absolutely fantastic the performances he was able to get out of um michael fassbender and Dom gleason in frank it was just absolutely beautiful um like and i'll give one example of his directorial um skill the scene where the kid gets away from the kidnapper where he's on the back of the truck is as tense as any hitchcock film and so psychologically penetrating like the world at that moment seems so strange and alienating that you're really experiencing the world through jack's eyes and i think how he achieved that was when we're in the room there's a lot of close-ups um you know the camera has to be close because it's you know and as um as uh he gets claustrophobic it's very claustrophobic and as he gets out in the the world the camera is slowly pulling apart like we're getting longer and longer shots i think i'll have to watch the film again to really see that but like and and he gives a lot of time for a lot of point of view shots of jack looking up at the traffic lights and all this seems like a really alien world and it works so well because you really put inside his point of view like you're just like oh my gosh it's uh he i think he's an incredible talent every kind of detail of the room that they're in uh i was very afraid that you know that first hour i didn't know how long it was going to last but i was afraid i was going to get bored that there's only so many angles you can do but it really is a credit to the actors and um the way they've sort of <laughs> titled this together i was very impressed and i was not bored at all i thought and, we were going to be there the entire time uh, <laughs> of the film <laughs> in the in that room we got lucky escaping that. <laughs> One thing I loved that in that first hour, uh, there was a line that uh, he says, you know, she says it's mind over matter, and he says, if you don't mind, it doesn't matter, which says a lot for their psychological state. You know, they have to find this kind of happiness despite the fact they're trapped in a room. And uh, as well, she reads the, Mount, the Count of Monte Cristo, which I don't know if you've read or yeah, seen. I've seen the movie. Yeah, uh, which as a bedtime story, because they're trapped, you know, it's about getting revenge on the, the people that have imprisoned you. Uh, Eventually the kid will grow up and be strong and take vengeance. <laughs> like a Kill Bill yeah. we've never seen yet. Oh boy. Uh, I think it's amazing that she like grew her escape plan, you know, inside herself. And there's kind of, there's got to be a metaphor here where she had her child and like raised it and then they helped each other escape you know i I like it how the villain of the piece uh bridges i think his last name was you only see him a shadow of him you hear his voice and like he is the most evil character in movies in a long time like there's just no forgiving what he's doing but you just don't see him he's a shadow who is he is he a doctor that's helping them out is he, like it was it, the way information was being revealed at that point was just absolutely extraordinary and he he only they only reveal his face in fragments until you fully see him and i think he's only that that part only happens when he accidentally hits his remote control car and it lights up and then he opens the whole you know cabinet revealing who he is and i'm really impressed they didn't cast a star in that role or anything like that like he really is like a faceless guy like a guy that lives next door sort of thing and that's what makes him really scary is that he's in a neighborhood with people around him and he looks like an average john doe we hear that he's lost his job he's really struggling he sounds like a human being yet he's kept keeping these people in this room for such a long time it was just terrifying 
Oh, it's monstrous. And uh, the way they've cast, it's Sean Bridges who's been cast in the role. And it makes me think that he will now be tainted with this, um, you know, as an actor, he'll have this issue breaking from this mold uh, for those who've seen it. For me, I started thinking about before he's kidnapped her, her name's Joy, um, by the way. Uh, yeah, before he's kidnapped her, he's built this shed to be soundproof. He's dug it into the foundation, you know, and make it solid. He's had some plumber, or he, he himself has installed a toilet and basin into the shed, which would have been like a questionable thing anyway. And he's set up like the security system. And uh, in the book, apparently the skylight was like this reinforced mesh that was very hard to break. So at some point he's made all these modifications to like make that happen. And just the amount of kind of planning and uh, forward thinking you know, it's monstrous. And how did he... she get in there? We only hear fragments of it when she's arguing with a with her mum, and she she's just going, "Well, if I wasn't such a friendly girl, you know, maybe I wouldn't have helped somebody's sick dog or something like that, and be caught out." Like she's blaming her mum on giving her that attitude and not be weary of strangers. Um, you know, just uh, oh my gosh! But we only see fragments of that. We never are really given the full story of how she got caught in there. Yeah, it seems. Like, if you're trying to piece it together, she went to help. He was looking for a dog or something, and you can imagine kind of a chloroform rag, her getting thrown in a van or something equivalent. She must have been late teens? Well, she said 17. 17, okay. In the book, it's 19, right. but I think they made it 17 so that she is living with her parents at the time. And so, you know, she's kidnapped, and apparently in the book, I mean, obviously we don't get any of this backstory, but in the book... She was handcuffed for, like, several weeks as she was, I suppose, beaten into submission and raped and and all the horrible stuff that goes into this kind of psychological mess that she's in. There are a lot of threads online about escape, Lloyd, and a lot of people coming up with ideas of how they would have tried to escape. And then there's a lot of people shooting them down. People have read the book, you know, uh, people saying, you know, you could have made a shiv and, and stabbed him. Uh, but then every situation where you you kill old Nick has you locked in yeah, this room. Yeah, that's the biggest nightmare that I think she would have saw in her mind. Like, I could be trapped in here with a dead body forever. And isn't that, like, the worst ending to a movie? Just, oh, my gosh. That's just absolutely horrific. Uh, for me, I can imagine every time the door opened, like, she would have screamed for a long time, but every time the door opened... She would have screamed out the door for help. It's insane to think about how she's right there in a shed, you know, in a backyard in a suburban area, and how no one could have well, realized. Well, th that's what, was what going scares on. me is how many people right now, me and you are talking, how many people that are around us are in this situation. You know, maybe not um, in, in, a ma in a shed. It could be, you know, in a basement. It could be... Like, this stuff goes on. We just don't know about it, you know. And that's that's a scary thing about Room, just the idea of that, you know, that that's happening around us. This is a real... Although this is a fictitious story, the realism of it that this, this does happen is just terrifying. Yeah, it makes me think of that news story where the guy had a basement. Fritzel. Uh, Fritzel. Yeah. That's the one... 
th- this is a point of view movie predominantly from the kid jack and i'm assuming the book is written from his point of view is that right it is yes there are o- other adult films seen through children's point of view um like lovely bones by peter jackson then there was tideland by terry gillian or gillian sorry which i really liked room has so much confidence in just the two actors allowing them to tell the story rather than use any dreamlike imagery like its main weapon it uses is the voiceover and i think for me that's the weakest part of room is using that voiceover and with um with that voiceover they the director abramson wants to emphasize how much the kid is like it's a kid's imagination and he's making friends with the lamp he's making friends with the bed um you know the wardrobe and things like that but it doesn't cut to any dreamlike imagery like what how a kid would see it with all that fantasy stuff and i think that's credit to him for restraining himself from retreating to any cgi stuff like that i don't think it would have done the film any favors but there are other directors i think if they were given the material that that's when they would have had a play with the wonder and things like that i'm glad he didn't go in that direction i'm pleased there was no cgi as well just having kind of the natural reactions and acting of the two leads um i'm a bit surprised jacob tremblay wasn't sort of nominated for anything there was a little campaign about how he should have an honorary oscar because of how little he needed to be directed (laughs) so he's kind of a natural i guess and now we're going to see his career blossom from this yeah he'll be like the sixth sense kid maybe but uh not an entourage movie hopefully (laughs) when the movie started to reveal itself as a story about people dealing with trauma that's when it started getting into very familiar ground for me and i know this is going to be a very unpopular opinion but uh that's the point where i was getting a little bit bored um the voiceover of the kid was becoming exhausting the interactions between the grandma and her new husband and even the interview in the media all that i knew exactly how the film was going to play out there wasn't any surprises to me at that point it was just a really well done straightforward movie and unfortunately i found it you know just too straightforward and i wanted more from the director of frank um but bear in mind i do believe this is a flawlessly directed movie my issue with it is just the direction it was taken via the story like it chose to use narrative voiceover and it chose to play uh, the the second half of the film to be about how these people deal with trauma i mean i'm guessing that's the adapted screenplay Um, There was probably a lot more voiceover in the book and so they've been selective and and it's unfortunate that that's sort of the only way you can get in this kid's head. You know, you can't have him repeat, you know, I live in the world now and whatever. Like, that that would be No, no, that's a fair point. Like, I I would have just chosen shots of the kid looking at it going, hi, wardrobe. And you get the idea that he's in Wanda. Um, I don't think the voiceover was necessary a lot of the times, but I get what you're saying the second half had a real gone girl vibe about it yeah no that's a great um point i i felt a lot of gone girl all throughout this and i kept thinking well maybe because the writer of the book you know um i'm not saying just because she's a lady but you know the writer of the book also the writer of the screenplay there's a lot of similarities between gone girl and the room i feel just the vibe of it as well i think that's probably what america do i don't know why she had to do a primetime interview like what sense that made well i think they said it was to pay off the lawyers they like i overheard one conversation saying look just one interview will pay off a lot of the bills and stuff like that yeah i mean i guess 
I'm not sure what she can do next, like in terms of becoming employable and living a normal life. Um, I suppose she'd keep living with her parents for a while, but um, look, that talk show woman, uh, the, the host, obviously was painted to be a bitch <laughs> well the only two surprises i got in that second half was one when the kid had to wear a mask because he hasn't been exposed to the bacteria and the diseases of the world so he had to wear a mask i was like oh yeah that, that would happen you know that was a complete surprise never seen anything like that and secondly was the interview and the interesting thing about that media interview was the girl brought up the question did you do everything right by your son why didn't you get him to a hospital and she's made to question her own decisions but i have to side with joy and i I couldn't imagine a mother giving up a child in that situation not knowing where the child was going like you would i I would imagine a mother wanting to have that child so she herself can look after it as best as possible but just going trusting the guy to give it away to a hospital that's just insane i I would never have that like you'd have sleepless nights wondering if he or she ever made it in the book lloyd there is um another child and it's a stillbirth she has before jack comes along uh she has a girl and look I don't know if this is true from the book, but presumably he would have had to bury that stillbirth somewhere. You know, that's just evidence. More questions he has to answer. So, you know, he really kind of slipped up in terms of being a kidnapper. Like, it's very sort of out of character for him not to check the body and not bury the body in his backyard. Yeah, for a guy who built a shed that methodically, that is soundproof, that has a code on the door... That's something he would have checked, definitely for sure. And I'm assuming he has some medical knowledge because how was Jack born in that shed? With Like, he just seems so distant. Oh, I'll just get some whiskey. Or, I can't remember what he said, some, some drugs or, or something like yeah. that. Like, he just seemed too loose about uh, medication. I'm assuming he would have had to have faced this problem several times with Joy getting sick, maybe, or during the birth. Like, he would have had to have some medical knowledge. Well, my... um. For those who never listened to this before, my wife is a uh, registered midwife, and so she would say, and I would defend this opinion, that um, women have been having babies for years and not always with the help of doctors. You know, women have uh, births at home and everybody's fine, and as controversial as that can be uh, to some people, it's, you know, there weren't always hospitals, and the human race has survived and evolved. So... You know, she could have had a natural birth and, uh, you know, it could have all been cleaned up. There was a weird stain on that rug that made me think that, you know, she'd maybe had the baby on the rug. I think they should have had references to the stillbirth. Um, I think that's a really clever idea now that you're telling me about it. Because my mum had two miscarriages before me and it really like she didn't work after that. She was just like, I'm going to be staying at home to look after my kids. Like, it really does affect the mother like in that sense like and you can see joy's like i'm understanding joy's perception now of having a stillbirth and then having jack a healthy boy you'll do whatever you can to hold on to that to that Mm. boy you know you're not going to give it away so i think uh that that would have been a much uh would have been a a, a very interesting character trait had they put that component in there's a lot of talk online about the uh combination lock Now, I don't know this combination lock very well, but if it is just the case that you need to put in four digits, five digits, if you can hear him going, you know, 
you can hear how many beeps there are, uh, you would be able to figure out how many combinations it is. And over seven years, a lot of people are saying, you know, you could try 0001, you know, <laughs> for the four digits, and you would get it eventually. And uh, you'd be unlucky if you had to go through all the combinations. I, I thought 000. of that myself, but I'm assuming it'd be one of those things that's set up. If you fail it three times, it locks, locks mm-hmm. out, and, and something like that. Now he would know about that. Like, I'm, I'm, he, that would have had to have been addressed. For me, and I didn't read the book again, but for me, um, I'm guessing that after a time, like, let's say she did that and it locked three times, um, you know, and he beat her afterwards. Uh, then I think she's been beaten into submission over the years. Uh, she's become so passive, you know, he can sleep next to her and she'll do nothing. Yes, she won't try and, good point. You know, um, we haven't seen the kind of psychological effects. We've kind of just got to get glean what we can, I suppose, from um, from what we've shown. Yeah, but he's, his interactions with the son are just, um, you know, because it's his son... That's sort of all very chilling. And William H. Macy's character, Robert... I thought it was a girl for a long time as well. (laughs) So did some people online. Oh, really? Um, (laughs) But people thought it was a girl and that she was just saying it was a girl. Yeah, no, that's exactly what I thought. I go, well, that's clearly a girl there, you know? (laughs) Yeah. But then the argument is uh, they wouldn't be given scissors or anything for a haircut. Maybe they'd turn on him and have a shank or scissors, you know. Uh, They would never be given access to grooming that's Um, where he strong lies (laughs) yeah that's right well like samson william h macy's character he was in like one and a half scenes uh he came in he was grieving we got obviously that he and joan allen's character nancy apparently uh the, the two of them didn't work out anymore after their child went missing and uh she now lives with leo and uh we basically get one and a half scenes with William H. Macy and he can't look at the kid because all he sees is the kidnapper and not anything of his daughter, basically. And William H. Macy has done a couple of these. He was in Cake, this Jennifer Aniston movie, and uh, it was it was one scene he was in where he comes to the door and talks to Jennifer Aniston and they tell him to go, and he goes. And that's the only scene he's done in the film. He was in Inland Empire as an announcer, and he literally just introduces, like, a talk show host. And that's it. Like, it's less than 10 seconds. (laughs) It's amazing. It's like he's probably worked out a good system here because he's a known actor. You know, he'll appear in films with Felicity Huffman or whoever. That's his wife. uh, And collect a paycheck and do very little. I'm wondering if this is a theme. Maybe I'll look into it. William H. Macy is just kind of in one or two scenes in a film. Maybe he does hundreds of movies a year. I don't know. (laughs) Joan Allen has sort of done this exact role in the movie The Upside of Anger, uh, where her husband went missing and she fell in love with someone else and she was basically uh, in mourning and everything... And it's a similar sort of character performance, and and Joan Allen's looking pretty good for her age, really. Yeah, no, Um, she looks great. I liked her in the Bourne um, Identity movies, the last two, I think. I'm pretty sure, yeah, she might have been in all three, but I'm not not 100% on that. Um, For me, though, the the one scene that stood out, and I'm not afraid to say that I shed some tears here, Lloyd, and I, I feel like it's a lot to do with now I'm a father myself, uh, that, you know, I have two daughters and this sort of horrible kidnapping business 
you know, it cut me pretty deep. And this movie was very affecting and slightly depressing, I will add, but important to see. The scene after he's uh, talked to the cop, who's incredibly smart and figures out the whole three stop sign. The thing big hero much. of the movie, I think. Yeah. She was fantastic. She, or, because uh, she simply ha- listened to the kid. You know, like he's, she, he was very shy and everything, but he, she simply listened to him. And, um, you know, the other cop was just such a caricature. Let's just get out of here. The kid's crazy, you know? <laughs> yeah, but I felt bad for the kid because he was left in the car with the, the terrible cop. So he's in the car and he doesn't like this guy and why would you? And he's just banging on that window. And look, after um, old Nick, Sean Bridges' character, leaves the kid there and is cursing her name, you got to imagine he went back and, like, beat her up. And I thought... Maybe he would kill her at that point, you know, get rid of the evidence like that she was there or, you know, because he's going to get caught. Maybe if the kid can work it out, either way, he's going to go back and be angry and violent towards her. So you see her alive running out of the darkness towards the car. And that's what got me there, even though I'd seen the trailer and I'd seen it a couple of months before or whatever, uh, even though it's in the trailer and I knew she was going to escape at some point. There's such a kind of emotional roller coaster you're on for that first hour that the sort of release that something good might be happening now, it was enough. That, that, <laughs> I think that was the best scene of the movie. And again, it's so Hitchcocky in the tension of the kid trying to give the piece of paper to that guy walking his dog. And then the guy takes it away. You think, oh no. And then he's dragging the kid back. And the kid, guy goes, I'm going to call the cops. And he just leaves the kid there and goes, Effie bitch. And he drives back and you think, okay, she's dead. You know, she, she's gone. That guy's going to go back and kill her. And the, ki- the kid and the super cop manages to use a proximity and the red car. And she's able to identify where they live. And you're there for the longest period of time through the kid's point of view hoping the mother will pop out it's so well done yeah that was amazing and then uh, since then i've watched the trailer online again and that moment got me again just it's in the trailer uh, which again is unfortunate for their marketing that they have to kind of ruin these moments but uh, yeah it got me again i was like oh man <laughs> had this emotional reaction to that one shot and it was really well done therapy lawsuits talk show the whole second half kind of had this vibe The one thing um, she did amazing with her kind of survivor's guilt, uh, you know, she's checking out and kind of going mad and like reacting to this new situation she's in. I thought she did phenomenally well. I can't imagine her not winning the Best Actress Oscar. Uh, The one thing I thought the second half lacked was some detail because they kind of are glossing over the trial. And uh, you mentioned before The Lovely Bones, in that film, just a quick spoiler for the Lovely Bones, uh, the plot is she's been murdered and uh, she's kind of watching her family and she knows who killed her, obviously. And uh, you're watching him kind of exist in this neighborhood and, you know, will he kill again and will he be found out? And they did this thing where they gave us amazing closure by absolutely murdering his character. <laughs> And it was kind of accidental, like he goes over a cliff and stuff. Um, But they did test screenings of that film and people were like, yeah, and I'm pretty sure it's Stanley Tucci. Uh, They were like, yeah, like show him getting more hurt and they hated him and what he had done. And for this film, the one thing I would have liked to have known is 
that old Nick, Sean Bridges or whatever, you know, you find out his real name and maybe uh, find out that he's gone to prison for life or 30 years or whatever it is. Well, they had that short segment on the news story, didn't they? Well, that he'd been caught. Yeah, like, like, although I think the second half of this movie is much weaker than the first half and uh, I'm disappointed with it being just a clinical study of people dealing with trauma, so to speak, I think that's one of the film's greatest strengths is that they didn't go in that direction. Like, had there had been a courtroom scene with her eyeing him as he's getting walked off, my eyes would have rolled and I I just would have went, this is one of the worst movies I've ever seen. (laughs) Like, it would have just been, okay, no, I cannot take this this is so stupid you know just the the social justice you know because the, i think lenny abramson and the writer want to emphasize this is about the people dealing with this situation it like although old nick is part of the story it's really about them dealing with the situation trying to make it the best of the trying to make the best of that situation and then dealing with the after effects i don't think they're ever especially um joy she'll never be the same ever again the scars are just way too deep and um as for the kid jack uh i have like just from watching this movie i have the biggest hopes for him to be a very strong and um very intelligent kid you know with a big caution for what the the man is for what males are are capable of and there might be a sinister aspect to him from um experiencing this at a young age like um, i heard of stories like if a child is brought up with an abusive father they might be abusive to their future wives and you know that's my biggest fear of jack but i have all the hope for him um, at the by the end of this movie, like I really do wish that uh, wish for him the best uh, for that character. Yeah, it's it's a very hopeful ending. I think kids are very adaptable and uh, absolutely they're very strong. Uh, that, yeah, that's, resilient. Yeah, that's right. Um, kids are built to survive. Um, that's what Terry Gilliam kept emphasizing in Tideland. Like Tideland is a very brutal movie about a young girl going through really awful situations. And the, what he kept emphasizing is, is is that kids will make the best of any situation. They are built to survive, you know. Why the reason why we have these fairy story, uh, fairy tale stories, the grim fairy tales that have been handed down throughout generations in Europe was to warn kids not to trust strangers. You know, Red Riding Hood's all about that. Don't trust a stranger. Don't lay off the path. But at the same time kids are very strong they 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 can survive in a lot of um you'll be really impressed with how much kids can survive i guess for me the um just not knowing any details the inconclusive nature i mean we get such a good conclusion to uh the room they were in we come back to the room we look at the room he thinks it's shrunk um you know it's obviously so much smaller now that he's seen the world and uh, they sort of say goodbye to everything as they sort of walk off so you get this beautiful kind of conclusion it looks like they're going to knock it down yeah that's going to be that but for us not to kind of I, I guess I would have enjoyed a scene where Joan Allen came back from the trial and said you'll never have to worry about it again or something sure. you know because do you feel just, he's still out there no I think for closure reasons like it's better to know because she says he'll never find us when they're in hospital but you sort of go oh well (laughs) it's not concluded that the book is still open i suppose just in terms of tying up loose threads in the movie 
you know, she could have said, you just, like, a throwaway line, uh, somebody else who was at the trial. We didn't need a scene where she sits opposite him in the yeah. trial and, yep. and uh, like, it has to testify and point at him and he's shaved and he's wearing a suit and he looks presentable. <laughs> you know, but maybe she could have said... And maybe you know, is she still in love with him? There's that possibility. <laughs> I would have cringed. <laughs> yeah. I would have liked to have known his real name. It kind of would have humanised him a little bit because I think he was really, like, um, fallible towards the end. He, like, uh, he seemed less monstrous at times. I mean, I knew how ominous and sinister it was, but when he gets the kid the car, he didn't have a job, he didn't have to do that. Uh, he is sort of trying to bond with them. I think he thinks that over time they'll learn to love him. You know, there's this kind of sickness in his head, and then... He respects her wishes when he thinks Jack is dead. And, you know, he's going to go take the body somewhere nice because he wants to do that for her. So there's this weird, sick kind of love to his character. And if you kind of knew his name, then I guess she would have at least known the name of Jack's father. I know she didn't want to ever give him credit for being half the DNA. But I just felt like... His last scene was um, saying fucking bitch and, like, leaving Jack with those strangers after the escape. And that didn't feel conclusive to me. But that's maybe not a view shared by everybody. (laughs) Um, Do you think there were others before Joy? like to hope not. Uh, If there were, I'm guessing he didn't get to keep them and so, like, he murdered them. You know, I've seen a bit of Criminal Minds and stuff, (laughs) but... I'd hate to kind of speculate as to as to what kind of character he is. I mean, just the way he's built everything. You know, we mentioned he's got to put in plumbing and everything for that room. He's had a lot of time to think about what he's doing there. And I think it's I think it's that he wants someone to love him back and that he doesn't have the capability to, I don't know, get a girlfriend or you know, uh, sustain a relationship and so he's got to do this by force and force himself into her world we see a Um, bit of his interactions with everyday people with that guy walking the dog and you can just see how awkward he is just from that brief moment obviously it's an extreme moment with the kid like he's just thinking about get this kid get this kid you know but you you see that he isn't a normal guy at all yeah there's uh, maybe a social anxiety or something do you think there were others? I I think there probably was, like, probably at least one before Joy and Sonny Sinister really happened there. And then, like, Joy was just everything he got right, you know, the first draft, so to speak. Sonic Bad happened, and then the second. I, I just think that. The bit where they cut the kid's hair, I was waiting for that the whole movie. <laughs> I'd wanted to cut the hair too. <laughs> I, I like that scene where she's looking back, like her room is still the same. That's really sweet. The mother kept it the same, hoping the daughter would come back one day. And then she's going through the photo books and then she sees her old friends. And then you're like, oh, they never amounted to anything. You know, how, like, I think she's looking at that with sheer envy that they got to live their lives. And she's just right away just looking at that with anger just like oh yeah they, they never amounted to anything you know what I mean that sort of that sort of vibe from it that was great yeah I mean it was sort of like I mean if I had been in a cave for seven years when I got out I would be asking about everyone and everything and we never got a scene like that where she's she never wanted to know who the president was or 
what had been happening in the world or you know anything like well i'm assuming they would have known at least current affairs with the tv or was the tv i know it was restricted to one hour a day but i'm assuming she would have got sonic from the outside world from that and there were a couple of magazines maybe i'm not sure i didn't see any magazines okay i mean i could be wrong but the tv it was seemed to always be cartoons and stuff maybe it was limited to what channels it was even and it was obviously scrambled but um i sort of felt like yeah i mean i don't know what year it was but say she missed 9 11 and stuff you know if it was across 2001 um there would have been huge world events that her character would just have no memory of and i mean i know it's much worse for jack because he has literally no idea about anything outside of the walls of that room so yeah the uh, like we said it's hopeful he's going to adapt you know you can't imagine a sequel <laughs> there's nowhere to go uh you'd be watching his day-to-day learning of everything well yeah i just um uh hopefully that sinister aspect that i mentioned just doesn't exist at all like he moves past that and he wants to learn a bit about his father and we get that backstory you wanted about um old nick uh the the praise for this film is really huge like every critic loves it i've seen uh people give it 10 out of 10 and everything like that um if you were to rate it and uh, we don't obviously do that in pod me if you can but if you were to rate it on a scale would you give this the complete top marks eight and a half nine i think it's very very good and i think a lot of it is to do with the acting i think the casting was very nail on the head there's a couple little things for me i think the story itself is sort of unbelievable horrible and unbelievable but i think it's made its way into a very nice film yeah i just i just think it's so well crafted because i I do feel the same way there's some parts that push reality a little bit but it is so well done and this the acting really pulls you into the believability of this world and um i I think lenny abramson he's not a show-off director at all there's subtle things he does like uh, and again this is just going from memory but just at how well you feel so claustrophobic at the beginning and then at the end you just feel like the wide open space of the world and i i think that's a strategy for the character of jack that he's coming to terms with you know accepting the world like at first it's all he's all very shy he's hiding constantly and as he's getting more comfortable the camera's slowly pulling away more and more the more he uh, and it's a very touching scene where he says i love you grandma to joan allen it's just like oh you can just breathe a little bit now you know um that it's a nice wide shot when that's set as well yes yeah and um just i think he's just such a supreme talent and i really can't wait to see his next movie yeah no it was phenomenal Uh, um one of the things i kept thinking while i was watching the film was about their health conditions and i know she has the tooth problem with her rotten tooth uh but just like no natural sunlight you know barely any sort of coming in they would have lost a lot of muscle mass not really exercising properly she tries to do yoga and stuff but the fact that the smell you know there's an a toilet there there's um she burns the cheese that one time but it's basically a sex room and like a germ filled room uh i feel like they would have gotten sick more often i know they're having those vitamins and stuff but it would have taken a lot of vitamins over seven years uh she would have looked terrible i'm not sure that was sort of accurate i suppose but that's probably from the book more than anything um the actual kind of 
story itself. Over seven years, I feel like she would have got uh, real medical problems. Yeah, I'm just no vitamin C, sort of uh, no sunlight. Obviously, it's hard for an actress to capture. (laughs) And she did a really good job, which is why I sort of kind of still make it eight and a half and nine. But I'm glad it wasn't like Smell-O-Vision or something because... (laughs) I guess it would have been... Um, Wouldn't this movie have been interesting in 3D? <laughs> I'm only kidding. <laughs> I have no idea what would be 3D in it. <laughs> well, the room, I guess. You know, you get the mm. intro, you get the real dimensions of the room and then... I'm, I'm, I'm just playing. <laughs> mm. <laughs> the real dimensions. <laughs> Look, the suicide attempt took me by surprise. I vaguely remembered something about my wife saying, you know, when she was reading it, that, that the mother character had attempted suicide or something. But in my head over the years, I'd built it into she killed herself. And so at some point watching the film, I had this vague recollection that she was going to kill herself. So the suicide attempt wasn't a surprise to me. The fact that she survived was because, yeah, I was thinking, ah, oh, this is where she, she dies. And then the grandparents raise the boy and... Uh, you know, geez, that would have been what, grim. I I didn't mm-hmm. even um, interpret that that was sui- and a suicide attempt. I thought that was just the drug she was taking just went south on her. But okay, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> oh well, after the reporter, you know, questions yeah. her for even like raising him in that environment. I think she feels terrible and has this horrible guilt about it and tries to kill herself. And then she apologizes later and she's he says, "Don't do it again." and she says i never will and and stuff and the, and the two of them have this really unique chemistry as well like you completely buy it you know, oh absolutely uh, yeah it's not a traditional mother and son relationship in the sense of you know obviously the environment that they've grown up in but i'll like um it, it's especially um interesting when she's just trying to force him no you have to you have to do this you have to roll um and, and she's breaking all the rules that she's told him and he goes there's no such thing that this is space and he goes no 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 there is a there is it isn't space out there it's a world that's a leaf a leaf is supposed to be greed you know and he goes I, I don't like this story and then she just goes well this is the story you're getting you know just like wow this is such a different dynamic but like you said you totally get it one because of the performances and two yes because that's the reality of their situation you know they have to she she really has to make do with what she what she has in front of her i would have liked to have seen an appearance from the mouse again just to tie that up to just maybe you see the mouse you know uh, at the end when they come and see a room again or they get a pet mouse or something like you know he wanted a pet the whole film it felt like they were leading towards you know, he got to pet that other dog and stuff, which was super nice. But kind of as an apology, she could have got him a pet, a dog or a mouse or whatever at the end. And so he would have had something out of it, I guess, as well. Did, didn't he? Oh, that wasn't his pet, was it? It was owned by um, the grandparents when he... Leo. Yeah, Leo, when he yeah, meets the, the dog the at new the end, partner. Sure. You know, so I thought maybe they were going to get a pet or something, but... Um, yeah, as well, I would have appreciated maybe if one of them had said thank you to one of the cops at some point, especially because the cop takes them back to the scene of everything and, you know, it could have been the same cop and she could have said... I'm a detective now. 
my work <laughs> on that situation just you know everyone just applauded me and i was brought in now you, you know you were my first case <laughs> <laughs> that was my first day on the job <laughs> i guessed all that stop sign business look it's a really standout film i think for acting performances and it's the kind of movie you know um that people go oh it's too heavy i'm not going to watch it and i think that will scare a lot of people away i think uh that's a shame for them but maybe after and you know as we say this she's probably won the oscar after she's won the oscar maybe people will say oh i should check that out if that was better than the performance in carol and the performance in joy and whatever people will say okay let's watch that are there any other movies that are just too shell-shocking and too sad you just won't watch? Peter Bogdanovich, he said his mum go- goes, I-, I don't, she goes, she never, he said he she never watches a sad movie. She goes, no, I've got a lo- enough dramas in my life. I don't need that in my life. She So she never sees a sad movie. And I think that's one of the reasons why, other than Mask, which is so hard-hitting, Bogdanovich does a lot of comedies and everything like that um are, are there any movies you yourself dave like room um, are movies that you just won't revisit because it's just too painful and not in a bad way as in the emotional drama is too painful <laughs> and not in a bad way like the film's so terrible you can't watch it again. like zoolander from what i hear <laughs> you guys well. should check out dave's video on how to fix zoolander 2 because again dave's a fan of zoolander 1 was absolutely looking forward to zoolander 2 and was completely mortified at what they did to it (laughs) unfortunately disappointed yeah that's on our youtube channel from what i've heard the same thing is happening with room as with beasts of no nation have you heard of that one so it's a drama based on the experiences of agu a child soldier fighting in the civil war of an unnamed african country and uh, people are saying that's way too heavy you know to be uh enjoyed in one sitting i guess child and war and uh, you know i haven't got around to that one yet um but that strikes me as having the same problem that it's just too the source material you know i got a couple a more we did on this podcast i think that's how you pronounce it the french film about the old couple oh uh, yes. Oh, that's just too painful for me to watch again that was just so sad a very beautiful incredible movie one of the greats i think but it's just too so hard to watch to the point it's just not fun and grapes of wrath by john ford um that movie you know, about a family in the 30s trying to um make it to los angeles i, I can't remember where from but it's a famous um, to escape the dust bowl like their farms are all deteriorating and they're trying to make it to los angeles and they all buy a truck and try to make it there and people die along the way uh, with henry fonda made in 1948 i think it is so heartbreaking i, I just can't bring myself to watch it uh, mostly people watch films for entertainment mostly you know that's why you see things like transformers make a bit and i can understand and- that point of view but there's a huge thing of art like great art i think gives a reaction and it's not necessarily happy sad laughing you know there's other different kinds of reactions that make you think about things in a different way that gives you a completely different point of view of things so i think it's very important that you see these type of movies to really enrich your experience about all it is to be a human being (laughs) yeah i mean in a way this has elements of like a lifetime movie or a midday yeah movie. absolutely it's done, yeah it's crafted so yeah, well that's a great point dave i it, this could have been a made for tv movie so easily and it, it's so it's crafted so well it just goes beyond that 
and as well it's a cautionary tale i've just thought of a film that i'll never watch again um, and you liked well i liked it and then i hated it it's um a documentary called dear zachary oh gosh yeah i've heard i've heard of that you've heard yeah. of that yeah spoilers quickly guys for dear zachary um the next couple of minutes dear zachary is a, a documentary about this child and uh it's being told kind of after the fact the child has has um basically in a custody battle and stuff and the mother seems crazy and they're trying to get this kid back the entire time and it doesn't end well and the documentary is kind of horrible in so many ways uh it's it's haunting but you hate it (laughs) oh i hated it because of how uh horrible it made me feel for everything that had happened um it was an amazing doco in that it pulls at so many heartstrings and it's crafted very well um but ultimately it's horrible because i mean death of children in cinema is bad like whenever you meet a child character in a film it's rare to see one of them be killed because you know audiences are very against children being killed in movies and understandably it's horrible and this is a documentary so for that happening in real life uh is you know 10 times as horrible because you get to know the people and uh the grandparents and and it was so close to not being the case sort of thing you know um yeah it's it's a really haunting one dear zachary and somebody went oh you like docos yeah yeah, this is a really good doco and i watched it not knowing anything about it and uh it was horrible but also amazing so yeah that one i would say (laughs) yeah i'm gonna try and avoid that one but i think at some point in my life i i have to face it because it's so good yeah yeah well it's it's very well made and um yeah i can't complain about that look lloyd we've made it to 150 episodes a quick uh you know applause for you and i in 2011 we kicked this thing off with tree of life the terrence malick film and you know we didn't know if we would do 100 of these this is a, a big milestone for us you know obviously there's lots of exciting films still to come uh we've got a real bunch of superhero films coming out soon uh, what I'd love is to hear some film requests. So uh, if you get onto Podme, if you can, guys, podmeifyoucan.com, you'll find a link to our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash podmeifyoucan. And uh, you guys can request films for us to review. We haven't done a request in a little while. We did Cobra was the last one, uh, the Sylvester Stallone movie. We're going to be covering Deadpool next. And one interesting thing, Lloyd, is Deadpool's rated R. Room was also rated R which i found surprising yeah well heavy themes i guess i guess so yeah but it's a very different kind of (laughs) r-rated movie deadpool uh get a little more violence in that one but um deadpool's next uh on the horizon as well we have um batman vs superman and of course iron man and uh captain america facing off in civil war is deadpool going to be our first comic book movie of 2016 Oh, I think so. Oh, we did Ant-Man. Oh, that's right. Yes, (laughs) Ant-Man. We did do Ant-Man. We can't forget about the little guy. (laughs) But uh, I'm very excited to see what Lenny Abramson does next. Uh, Director of Frank, director of Room. He's not listed down currently as directing anything else. He's earned a break. (laughs) Oh, well, I would say post-Oscars. He's been nominated for Best Director. The offers will be flooding in. 
and it'll be very interesting to see what he picks up. Oh, there. he is nominated for best director. He oh, is, I yeah. didn't know that. Wow, I might no. I mean, by the time we're speaking about this, I, I doubt that he'll win. <laughs> it's very stiff competition, but just being invited to the party, I think, legitimizes him. And when he was up for Birdman, the next thing he had listed uh, was this King Kong Skull Island kind of action adventure movie that you imagine now that he's a credible actor, he maybe thought he was going to get that Oscar. So Deadpool next, guys. Uh, You can subscribe to us on Facebook, on iTunes. You can download all of our old episodes. Drop us a line on Facebook. Lloyd and my Twitters are both at podmeifyoucan.com. Ryan Reynolds, Deadpool, will feature on our next episode. Lloyd, it's a pleasure, uh, as always. And uh, many more episodes to come. Hit it. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for listening. Please like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Go to www.podmeifyoucan.com. Pod me if you can. Movie reviews. 